Hello, how's it going? <laughs> it's going well, man. What are you working on these days? Uh, well, recently I, I made a, a business move over to uh, working for Illusionist um, yeah. to, to innovate for them. It's like a straight up job just to like, they just want new things like, like new, new ways of moving, you know, through the industry. And it, it's, uh, I think it's a job that I, I look at it as a very difficult thing to pull off, but I, I think I can do it. So I was like, yeah, let's try it. Let's see how this goes. And yeah, the job title yeah, is, so that's, is head of innovation, right? So what it what does that entail to you? That sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, well, there's like an official, you know, thing that it entitles. But uh, as far as to me, it it means to to search for ways to move and float through the industry that allow for like more community more uh more ways of um of being honest with how things are sold and what is types of things are being sold it, it matters to me like like design you know, product innovation. Uh, I just, uh, I personally kind of feel like the industry and magic is kind of, you know, stuck currently. And I just would like to give it a shot and see if it's possible to make like, you know, a small shift in the needle and see, see what that would look like. Yeah. And so you just closed the brand that you started which is called is it called wait is that right uh yeah, very close pretty much it's called what so it's what it's, yeah okay. it stands i wasn't for, sure what the j, we, j was supposed to yeah. be pronounced yeah it stands for we're just travelers traveling through time it was a kind of a motto that that my friend davy told me about it came from the Blaine show and that motto helped me out for a while and helped me through some like kind of depression type things give me perspective on life and uh, that just turned into like a fun fun acronym and I was like all right this is uh this is cool so yeah I gave that a shot for a bit and it was a tremendous learning experience, you know, trying to run online sales and, and kind of move in the industry as a like fully independent creator, not doing wholesale, not doing anything, just like direct sales and, and come up with things. And it was incredibly fulfilling, but difficult, like just very difficult. So I bet you did everything yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's difficult with that, especially during like COVID like this, you know, this yeah. was going, this was happening. So everything was limited. Like, you know, like it's, it's, 
I was pretty much producing everything in my guest room and my living room. Like I was building stuff in the, in the living room studio and filming everything in my guest room studio. So I had like those two locations that I had set up and it was, it was a, it was a pretty magical time though, because along with like that stuff, um, the nothing experiment, I kind of started during COVID started like Mm -hmm. right at the beginning of COVID. And that, that was a, another thing that taught me a lot about just, um, like i don't even know how to begin like it i've learned so many lessons from kind of navigating ideas on there Mm -hmm. trying Mm -hmm. to to navigate how to it's it's hard as a magician to navigate online and uh grabbing attention doing it in different ways you know like it's if you're a creator and you design magic then people kind of put you in a box as a creator and they don't really kind of look at what you do as performance even if you showing your effects is a performance you know and so it's it's felt kind of like an uphill battle but um to be honest it's it's super like I'm really proud of, of all the the content on there. Yeah, I gotta say, there's something really rare in terms of the kind of honesty that I feel you brought to the table in the way you shared things from uh, on Instagram. Um, how did that kind of? It's a very strange format, like that. I would say has never really been seen before well, it's, in in, in it's the no way format. That you were doing. It's nothing like that goes into the, the concept of the account of the project, the experiment, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's to try to, there's a novelist named Flaubert and I'm going to paraphrase, but he was kind of like saying he wanted to redesign the structure of a novel saying that, you know, I, I wish to write a, a story about nothing and not about nothing, but about the idea of not having any gimmicks, any like tricky things that try to bring attention from, or or, or like uh, I forget how he described the the term in in writing, but I kind of took that thinking um, into magic and the structure of how magic's shared what it is and and tried to like break it down to see like if like and ask like serious questions and answer them in different ways like do you have to leave someone fooled after the effect for it to be a count as a, as a magic effect do you have to um you know is an illusion a magic effect or is an optical illusion something else or can it feel like a magic effect is the feeling of a magic effect the same as watching a magic effect and navigating like these kind of areas of just doing it through experiment as opposed to just like postulating about it you know yeah and how do you well, looking back, 
Well, it's still going on, but looking back at what you've created so far, how do you find the response? I mean, I think it's pretty, pretty tremendous. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I look at it more as like, like I said, like a, like an ongoing experiment to gain knowledge of, of how to move forward on the next project that I choose to do. Um, I don't see this as like the end all like area of stuff that I'm going to be like working in. I just more am um, wanting to round out my knowledge of video magic um, because it's just a very important aspect to get like a crash course in in modern time like like there's like different kinds of video magic there's like the video magic where you're doing it on video for other people and then there's video magic without a spectator and when it's just the the magician to the camera things get very difficult to do strong pieces of magic and so i really wanted to explore you know down the theme of nothing is do you have to have spectators there or can you start to find formulas to perform illusions, magic effects, whatever you want to call them, sequences of illusion that, that create a similar feeling as a magic effect does in person, but you're using different tools and techniques so you're not, you know, like, like a, a double lift doesn't work directly. It doesn't give you the same feeling as being able to feel the cards and stuff. So I had to go down the route of really diving into the, the deep idea of what makes someone believe something's real mm-hmm. and how to start at that level so that I'm starting at a level for most of the effects where people aren't even aware that there's an illusion in play <laughs> that's right, that's right. and then the then then the illusion becomes part of um the reality kind of being stripped away and when you take away something that that someone was not even aware was an option to be taken away in the beginning your brain It's a different feeling than astonishment. But if you do it with the same tone as as a magic effect, I believe it it starts to feel very similar to magic, even though it's not. And I think for a layman, I think they actually view it just as magic, probably because maybe their education of seeing so many different styles of magic isn't the same as a magician, which could like, you know, slice up the gray areas and figure out um, kind of the nuances of what feels like a magic trick, what feels like an optical illusion. So, Mm -hmm. um, but when, when you're able to really like, do illusions with things that people believe is real, not things that people accept as real. 
by the magician, right. then then it it's uh, I think I think uh, you have a very good shot at creating like effects just for video that rival the strength of of live effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also think the way you create these video uh, pieces there's a newfound appreciation, I think, from magicians and laymen alike that I think one, one of the things that you did was to remove the kind of barrier of challenge between like, you know, like I'm this, I'm a magician performing for you. And you kind of draws them into your world where it's like you're, they're watching a visual diary of yours. Um, but then, from yeah, that there, you also see all the work and the process going into it yeah there's like darren brown talks about like the the kind of god and hero performance model in his book absolute magic um there's this magician from the uk that had a nice analogy that i was having a conversation i think his name's charlie hewish and he had a nice analogy about like that same thing about um aladdin being the carpet aladdin and the genie and referencing like the different types of magic and i kind of look at it like what i want to do is instead of referencing like something that's in the tv in the film like if we're using that analogy i want to be the person outside on the on the living room with the remote being able to control the film forward and backwards so it's like you're not even playing god you're in a different matrix of of thought and that that may sound like kind of heady but what what that means to me is that you you create from a sense of spectators knowing what is real like i said earlier Mm -hmm. And there's like a, I found, I found these in my own work. I found the differences between um, kind of me telling someone that something's real and another person viewing something and then not lying to themselves. Cause there's nothing that someone lies to themselves in most of the illusions. Cause I kind of look at like, there's a kind of common thread where it's like, if you, if a magician lies to you, you know, you, you might be fooled, but if the spectator lies to themselves, then they're very, you know, then that's very hard to get around. Mm -hmm. But I, I like to kind of go down the thought path of trying to, remove the idea of like the spectator lying to themselves but it becomes about them um just letting their brain do natural functions so i create around like like kind of like biological impulses so there's no lying it's just like i'm placing illusions i'm finding pockets that that allow me to just like place an illusion right before a process or program runs that's normal that we all do. And then that, that illusion just gets added to the program, the process that runs. And 
it doesn't become something that's lying. It just becomes a reality because all it becomes a perspective where there's like a certain like thought where like if your reality is real, like no one can really take that away from you because it's your perspective as a human and you create your own reality, you know? So at that point, there's no lying about what what's happening. You just, I just helped you create your reality. I helped you construct it. So, but I did it the same way that a card magician creates advantages. So I picked the correct advantages I needed so that once you construct your reality, I am able to manipulate it to my advantage. And all of that construction usually happens in the first half a second that you view any of my videos like everything right. that i need you to right. construct right. is like is done just by so, watching the first two frames <laughs> you know that's right that's right and, well i think i think so would you say that there's just so what you're talking about is a slight distinction between a spectator lying to themselves in terms of like a mental process of lying to themselves versus an assumed reality when they just kind of step into what you're creating yeah I'm, I'm guiding like like if we all uh so i look at like lying as like a mentalist that says two truths and a lie in a sentence and then by uh -huh. accepting okay all yeah. of that information you're lying to yourself so that's different than just uh, creating with mental processes to me it, it's a very small kind of yeah, subtle yeah, yeah, difference yeah, yeah. but but, but to me i've i've found much stronger illusions and from the way that the work hits people i believe that it has a deeper impact just from my personal experience of seeing like testing like kind of this deeper kind of uh reality construction illusion design and then this other like lying classic like let a spectator lie to themselves um yeah. kind of design and it's kind of like you you guide them into the process but you have to be aware of like the kind of um evolutionary biology that is in place in humans in the beginning to that we all go through you know um like uh, a simple one is, you know, we all try to minimize uncertainty. And based yeah. on that fact, knowing that that's a fact, you can, you can extract and derive many methods of how the assumptions of the brain will work and use those assumptions the same way. Like, I kind of feel that like the idea of assumptions is, is really what I kind of explored the deepest to the deepest level in the nothing experiment, like mm -hmm. using assumptions as like tech techniques and slights. Like I kind of look at like uh, before it seemed that people use assumptions as like, just a, as a fun thing, like, Oh, you assume this but 
to me, I wanted to kind of explore and see how far you could take an assumption into like a refined technique. And surprisingly, right. you can you can go pretty far. So it's right. pretty like it's pretty wild to be honest. Like like some of the yeah. Yeah, you can you seem to be able to go really far regardless of how much someone has studied secrets or deception. Like whether it's a layman watching this video who has no background into magic or someone who's been in magic for 30 years, they are equally because fold, I think. That's that's interesting, right? Though, because that's like a that's an mm -hmm. aspect that some techniques in magic don't allow you, which is something that I really think is a very efficient use of you know of constructing illusions. Like if you if if that's a possibility, which I I like quite a bit. Yeah, you also know it worked when at least personally when I watch your videos. I would go, okay, he's got this pattern that fucks with my assumptions. And then I'll expect the next one to fuck with my assumptions. But because I assume things, I still get fooled very deeply. You know, it's still, so, it's, it's a repeatable so the game, thing. So I'll, two things on that. The, the, the game is having to be able to step into the mind of the viewer and try to remove all your knowledge at each step and predict what they will be thinking based off the information at hand. So the better that you can get at predicting what someone will thinking is thinking, then you can know the next correct step to take. So it's a difference of like, I look at it like a friend of mine called it visual mentalism. And that's like a very good term mean. because it, it becomes not telling about like, this is the thing that I really took away this sentence from the last year. It's you're not telling someone that, you know, what they are thinking. You're, you're showing someone through actions that you know how they think to a like extreme degree, because mentalism to me is, is I'm revealing what you're thinking and how they think is based on me being able to predict what you will assume next because I know how the brain works. And that's like a very invasive experience when you can do multiple phases and do it in a organic way where a lot of, um, I hadn't really seen any optical illusions presented like street magic or close-up magic, you know? So that's kind of what I wanted to, to attempt to bring to the table and see if people would accept that. And I think for the majority of it, they did. Yeah. Um, it's so, no, it's so, that is so spot on. That's really, really spot on. Especially I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you kind of something. Go ahead. I'll tell you something that I haven't really told anyone that I, I realized about a couple of weeks ago that okay. makes this kind of interesting. The most of all of the videos I did on the nothing experiment, I would say that realistically, and I'll try to keep this honest, 80 to 85% of the videos, maybe 80%. I never showed anyone like, 
no one before I uploaded them. And if you think about what that means, that's a very aggressive thing to think about creating magic that you've never shown to someone and you just know that it'll work. And how would you know that it's going to work? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. So what's interesting about this process is that the minute that you get into how the brain works, and as long as I'm focusing on fundamental processes that run in the brain, I can be certain that the illusion will work as long as you're human. And that was like a wild like hack to be able to produce so much content because I didn't need to test it out on people to see what works and what doesn't because I'm just going off of fundamental um, you know, uh, ways that the brain processes information. And I thought that that was just like a really interesting realization because yeah, it, no, it, it seemed incredible. very different than the, than the, a normal kind of process that. Yeah. Usually there is a magic, you know, even a, even a minimal trial and error um, process, even when it, whether, when it comes to doing something live or on video form. Right. So what was kind of, how did you come about understanding some of that? Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I studied, uh, studied l online lectures about uh, neuroscience, about um, evolutionary biology, um, just about physics in general, because I think science plays into like, teaches you how to think in a just uh, more uh, logical way and get around like kind of pitfalls of getting stuck in loops, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just a tremendous amount of online lectures that I, I would find around. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause that's definitely not something that I would say, it's common in the magic it's not, literature. It's yeah. not taught in the magic literature. Like there's no one, no one teaches you how to get a magical moment out of showing someone four cards, moving one thing and making someone's head explode without doing any sleight of hand. Like no one teaches you that in a book, you know? Right. And that, that comes, that comes from, um starting yeah starting with fundamental fundamental things that the that the brain does and that we have evolved to need through just evolution and through survival and because there's one thing that might be able to shed some light is there's like there's optical illusions that use fundamental princip principles and then there's optical illusions that use like kind of uh, softer principles, like principles that will work on some people and not on other people. So I tried to stick to the fundamental principles, which is why like some of the stronger illusions that I routines that I posted had like four to five fundamental illusion principles in it. And then it becomes like, 
nearly impossible to backtrack on the first viewing because in the first second, you would have to make the wildest assumptions that are so far from reality that it would be like just saying he's going to turn into a semi like it would be the most illogical thing and you would have to just be saying it just because because there's there's all i kind of look i look at things as like perceptual walls so Mm -hmm. you can have like these walls with these doors and each one of them once you walk through it you cannot go back that's like what a fundamental illusion principle does to you. Right. And if you get someone to walk through two or three doors, then at, at that point, as I like think of this example, I like think of this effect I posted. It was, it was called uh, Dice Dimension. And it's on my page. It's just with a couple cards and a dice. And that has some heavy illusion perceptual walls in it just like if you are uh, yeah that that to me I, I feel is one of the more fooling ones like if you haven't seen that it would be very hard to very hard to um predict the sequence because I like so I, I, everything goes everything goes against what humans think. So you would have to be just, um, yeah. Like if I saw it, I, I think it would be it would be just a, a lot. But that's the other thing that I kind of wish. I kind of wish that I could like see these things for the first time because I'm making all these my own assumptions that they're going to work and that these are the principles being used, which I could be completely, these all things most likely are just made up. And I'm just like, maybe just, I don't know, like, who knows, maybe they're real, maybe they're not. Uh, but it, I would like to view some of those things for the first time. And that's just like not possible. So that's, yeah. that's the downside. So, I mean, I think that kind of touches on the the theme of how magicians share online. Um, so what, like, wh- what is it, wh- what do you think are some of the ways are unexplored and what do you think are the things that are just kind of like enough already um, from, from the things that you've seen? of styles or just areas or or i think just i think just styles in terms of like sharing online uh because we we talked about briefly the two general themes of one performing for people the other Mm. direct to the camera right but then it seems like most are pretty similar in terms of their approach so so yeah, I, I think performing directly to the camera is the most like if I was gonna put like stock in something as like if someone figures mm-hmm. this out fully, if someone has all of the pieces of the formula in their head, I believe that they will they would be the most powerful magician in the world. Because if you can sit in front of a camera and you can create effects that feel as strong as in person, 
which it would feel as strong as in person, but it would be using different techniques. And that's the caveat to it. So it's not, it's not going to feel the exact same, but it's going to give you a similar overwhelming enjoyment of illusion and magic. Yeah. And if that, that to me is the most important and underexplored area, which is why I've like, you know, spent the last like, you know, year and a half, two years on it. Like it's, it's just what I, I personally feel is most important because performing effects that are meant to do live for camera is not the same to me, you know, No, because those, those, those effects require examination to really make it like, if you see a card change, it's very hard, like you let's say it's a flap card. It's very hard to convince someone that it's not a gimmick card over video. There's ways to to convince them and be very clear that you can't see the, like so I that's why I kind of pivoted more into the like kind of taking apart people's realities, visual mentalism area, because mm-hmm you don't have to convince someone that their reality was broken. They feel it in their gut when it happens. You know what I mean? And that's a a different, a different feeling than the magic taking place in the head, in the, in the intellectual side. Like I think they're almost starting at a different place. You're starting. It is actually at a different place. Yeah. Well, you have to start at a different place to get the the feeling because the feeling is what we all strive for in person performing, right? We we strive for that feeling, whether it's an emotion, whether it's a feeling, but it's, it's, you can get that feeling where you feel something as a human, it's a, it's pulling something out of you. And when we watch beautiful magic, this intellectual and only sitting in the mind on video we appreciate it but we don't feel it so like the goal is you know can you break apart the narrative like the structure of an effect deconstruct it build it up from the ground up from a different angle and get that a feeling from it and I don't think I'm fully there yet because I'm still developing and and making my toolbox of techniques, but I think I've come across some techniques that have a lot of potential. And that like is a, that always like gives me a lot of hope for magic when, when there's like new ground to, that feels like there's possibilities with. Yeah, that's great. Well, in one of the uh, posts that you made, I, I don't remember which one, you, you said something like, um, this was created right before an anxiety panic attack. Um, are you a pretty anxious person? Like, what's the role of anxiety in your creative process? Um, so... Yeah, I, 
I definitely have struggled with anxiety and depression a tremendous amount in my life. And I've go through periods where I can, you know, handle it quite well. And then other times it's, it's really heavy, but uh, there's kind of a survival mode that your brain goes into in a panic attack and an anxiety attack when it's because like your brain's doing it's sending false signals that you're in danger of your life right, right during a panic attack because your life isn't in danger but it's created the illusion you know unfortunately it's a it's a it's a really dirty illusion but it's it's really saying that you're in danger and so with I find that that after a panic attack, yeah, I, I actually have created some really fantastic things because the amount of like, adrenaline and endorphins that are running through your body, it's just like a mix of things that if you can, I don't like, I, I really, I want to just preface this with like, I, I now really, really focus on creating from like a healthy spot because I, I think that that's like, really important as artists is to not create from like so spots too. where it's like you need like substances anxiety uh fear whatever it is you know anything that's negative like um so i focus on that now but there's like a primal area that sometimes i i just let happen and lean into as extra energy to create from mm -hmm. but yeah and but yeah and you're I mean, there, there's a you're somehow able to continue to like push the envelope and to share at the same time uh in spite of all that yeah it it helps to be honest when you know if you like to me panic attacks are like kind of like near-death experiences you know because you you feel like your brain can't really tell that you're not gonna die for maybe whatever however long it is whether it's 10 minutes an hour two hours like i don't know how long people's last for so it gives me constant perspective when i, I was having really heavy panic attacks because then it just allows me also to push deeper into the art because I'm just like, well, I just thought I was going to die. So now I'm just going to do exactly what I want, you know, because there's <laughs> yes. nothing worse than that. Like I, it's not going to be, it's not going to feel worse failing than that. So I think that there was this kind of loop with, with uh, panic attacks that was maybe a symptom from, like low self-esteem so mm -hmm. I, I would say and, that that now that's the goal you know that's to, wonderful to have real con real confidence and real self-esteem um and how do you how, like when, when when those moments come how do you overcome it now like you know to be honest yourself with i yeah so 
I found that a lot of the times um, handling when the moments come is kind of like putting duct tape on a problem. I, I kind of found that I'm very data driven. Like I like data, I like analyzing things. That's why I like analyzing methods and I focus mostly on methods. I have a very analytical brain. Mm-hmm. And so I like to try to analyze where the fear is coming from and see if I, for myself, if I can figure out how to get data to overcome that fear of those anxieties. So I can look at some facts and be like, all right, this is, I, and I can just self-assess that it's fear and move on through my day for like example, um, the last couple few months I've like dealt with like heavy, heavy hypoglycemia and like, uh, it's called reactive hypoglycemia. So it's, you know, based on like the amount of carbs and fat and protein that you eat in a meal can, um, so like if you eat the wrong amount of carbs then you know, your blood sugar could crash a hour after a large meal, you know? Mm-hmm. So hypoglycemia can be dangerous. And I was having a lot of anxiety around that because, you know, that's a real thing. And that's like, you know, it actually is dangerous, but I found that like, I got this uh, monitor that sends like, you know, blood sugar readings to my phone. And since I got that, my anxiety levels, you know, decreased heavily because I was able to have data and fat and, you know, factual information that I could rely on and go to that doesn't, um, that takes out the guesswork, you know? Yeah. So, it's like something's taking care of that signal so that the anxiety doesn't have yeah. to signal you. So. Because I think a lot of the anxiety for me came from hyper awareness because a lot of the magic that I design is based on observation, right? And when you observe things and art and magic for like, you know, a period of time, say you, you get into it for 10 years, by the time that you're 10 years in it, you're observing very nuanced things. And unfortunately, that way that you've trained your brain doesn't stop with only magic. Your brain analyzes everything. I've noticed that deeply. Yes, it's true. So the deeper that you go into the observation side and and observational creation isn't something that like I find that everyone does. Sometimes people, you know, create from just research or, you know, whatever. People have different ways. But I become hyper aware of my body. Like I, I start, you know, like uh, even my friends, like, like they're just like, well, like, how did you notice that about your body? And I was like, oh, well, I just like, <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to go into detail, but it's just like, it's, it becomes like a hyper awareness of things that are happening to my body. And where I think that a, that then brings on a lot of anxiety and, or it did. So once I learned kind of that for me, I need data, then I was able to hack my, my kind of loop that I was in. And that's, um, it's helped quite a bit. 
man, I'm happy, I'm happy to hear that for you. And it mm. sounds like, yeah, it sounds like you've got a very um, big next next step ahead of you in terms of your creative journey as well, uh, working with uh, illusionists on that front of things. So not having to do everything by yourself and um, yeah, hopefully I, also helps. That, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of things they're you know they're open to. They they seem to be open to some changes, and I think like you know, I I really want to see want I want to see things in the industry that would you know make my like fifteen year old self that's obsessed with magic and still is you know focused on like what real effects look like you know that that version of myself i want to get like yeah what what changes figure out like what yeah what what are the changes you like to see um i mean uh, i i I work very much from instinct, so I don't I don't like write a, a goals. I don't like write out goals for the year and be like this. I'll accomplish this. Like for me, I just try to build on each level of iteration. Um, and currently, the 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 changes I want to see are raising the taste in magicians. Mm-hmm. That's like the the, the current thing I, I think that is one of the largest things that that hold um people back from taking magicians seriously is the lack of taste and you, well, i think when you say that you mean in all aspects in terms of music taste aesthetic, aesthetic taste and kind of taste in art yeah i think everything or I do, but I think aesthetic and like um, just a more refined taste of like uh, like what it comes down to is we only really have like yeah like like yeah I don't want to get too far into it but but it's 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 magic is a visual art form for the most part it has visual you know heavy visual aspects so the raising the taste of a generation i think is a very like noble goal to try to influence and just move a little bit because you know i know that these things don't move heavily and you know you can only shift things you know three percent at a time pretty much but i just would like to like to to try to to help that no i've always loved what you created you know aside from the visual illusions aside i always liked the aesthetics that you brought to your brand like the colors the, I, the kind of the way you, you like i things, appreciate that you kind of yeah it's like to me that that is something that creates a world yeah absolutely a a space for people to to live in with your illusions and it 
it, it also plays heavily, you know, into the imagination of like the viewer and kind of activating that imagination is a, a key thing that the magicians that I really like did for me. So I think attempting to do that in different ways, you know, like attempting to activate the imagination through aesthetics is a very complicated goal as a magician, you know? And it's because... also like, like, and it's also contemporary. I think like, like you're, you're setting the context in which where your world lies, you know, you, you use iPhones, iPad and the clothes that you would wear and the kind of the background and the furniture that you have all that. Informed... Yeah. The... Margiela, uh, yeah, the Martin Margiela, the fashion designer, kind of talks about it as like you create a universe, and then once you create the new universe, then you take the people that are interested into all the different corners of the universe, and you show them it, right? But you have to have the universe first for someone to come into, and that's kind of like it's difficult because there's so many different types of things that you have to make a decision in the beginning and figuring out the presets of like what you want your levels to be turned up to is each magician's taste, but like how much fantasy you want to have, how much organic realness, how much, uh, you know, authentic to your life, how much just like, like you get to choose all these things, but being aware that you should be choosing these things is like something that I think the awareness just needs to go up a bit with. Cause I, I don't see a lot of people even just making the choices because the yeah. choices are all always made. It's always chosen just like a, you know, pattern is or a presentation is always there. No matter if it's, if you choose to say nothing, that's still your, your yeah, script. You can't not choose. It's always there. You, it, but it, like the script always exists, but it's just what you choose to do with it. And it's the same thing with, um, you know, creating your world. It's people look for it. And if it's really not thought out, then they just view it as like a very minimal thing. And if you're not aware that it's minimal, then it comes off as very novice world building. Yeah, um, I've got I got a question that this is one of the more prepared questions because everything we've kind of been talking about just kind of yeah um, came up of the moment. So, what do you think aside from performing and the sharing of secret selling products? What do you think? are the possibilities in terms of the role of a magician in today's age? A magician that uses their knowledge not to be a magician, but just to influence culture, I think is a really powerful thing. Because... Yeah. The knowledge of a magician is like really tremendous insights 
on human condition, human mind, and just overall how how we function as humans, these observations, you know? And I would love to see that shared more on a larger scale um, because I think once that starts to be shared on a larger scale, magic and the education of like how, how complex it is um, will do nothing but just heighten magic when it's being performed. You know, I, I think the, the amount of secrecy around what a magician does uh, kind of threatens how serious people take magic because um, like when I hear on podcasts, a physicist talk about a magician, even though there's many parallels with how, you know, designing effects and constructing theories and, and observations and that type of uh, discoveries come about, I see a lot of parallels. Like there's not enough information for a scientist to take magic seriously, you know? So I would, I would love to see those kind of things um, attacked uh for my personal life i really want to blend design into what a magician is Mm -hmm. yeah 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 what's that table that you're working on that looks amazing and and yeah what what, what's what's that um yeah that was just like a quick mock-up uh trying to reimagine like what a practice station would look like for a magician you know, like what it would look like if a magician sat down at a ta- at a desk and they had a dedicated object that would be what, you know, where they practiced that wasn't just a close-up mat, you know, like objects have a very powerful thing. Like I'm sure you can relate to this where like you open up a deck of cards and there's certain decks of cards that when you use, you feel empowered to like create or practice or be better you know like do you have like cards that you like use that make you feel something like that well yeah i know what you mean um but now i usually just only use bicycle because i just kind of okay like the the kind of like or maybe like if if it. like if you had I an know original like jerry's I, I feel, nugget I, deck i, I feel you would, better you would already feel tally <laughs> exactly but yeah there's a there's an aesthetic to the tally hose that that satisfy the mind and make you feel a certain way and objects give you feelings just like how wearing clothes that you love makes you feel more confident whether it's streetwear or you're in a really nice suit that's tailored you feel the part that you want to believe you are and i want to infuse those feelings into magic accessories and objects yeah wonderful i love that i'm looking forward to um, seeing more of it yeah it's 
right now it's just in the very beginning phase like like really it's just uh i i wasn't actually sure if someone was gonna like understand that it was like possible in the industry to do this because everyone's kind of set on their own ways of marketing and what magic objects are and what yeah like a are, product like most of the product, most of the trailer, product trailer and sales and you know effect product trailer that's it but and, but i think exactly that i mean you've created a universe that many including myself are looking forward to see what comes out of that and want to be a part of that appreciate that i think expanding the universe into something that's a like like i don't really want it to be a niche thing like uh, to me expanding and growing a idea of a universe of a world is a very difficult and lots of times i think impossible task and I, I love really difficult tasks like that or like i like to tackle things that seem impossible to me mm. like um like I think it would be very hard for like the world to accept a magician as also a magician and a designer. Like, I think it would be very difficult. Um, and so those kind of things like interest me, you know, and I, yeah. I like to, to see what people are willing to accept. And along the way, like working on things, like I, I kind of look at it as just an iteration as like, I just want to gain better, better taste, a more nuanced style. And I just want to be able to observe the smaller sections, you know, of things. I, I just want to get it more refined to where I can observe just like, like the ideal effect to me would be like the idea of showing someone something then believing it's something and then me saying like two words and then your world shatters and nothing okay. moves nothing nothing's touched because like right now the 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 lowest because i also look at it as like a game for myself like what's the least amount that i can do to like deconstruct someone's reality right where like whether it's I, I like to go in kind of extremes at times so like you know I, I feel that people have gone down the extreme of what's the most complex sleight of hand that can be done mm -hmm. and I love practicing difficult sleight of hand but then I've got to the area of like you know like with the dice dimension illusion, I'm like, what if nothing moves? Like there's no moving parts in that illusion, which is a very interesting thing. When you think about illusions, you're getting multiple phases of a, an effect with just an object that you're just showing perspectives of, which is like, to me, a really kind of efficient and beautiful, like direction of method. Um, so just the idea of like just moving things and not and, and using actions that aren't hidden actions is like a 
super fascinating direction of attack for illusion because it plays against what we believe magicians do. We believe magicians do secret actions. So if there's no secret actions and all the moves that are happening are just natural and normal, then it, it becomes like a, just a, you start subverting the norm and you, you yeah. subvert away from just the, the really, yeah, it, I just want to see new stuff like whether no, it's I, me I, or other people that's that's it i love it i love it yeah no i just yeah this, i really appreciate this conversation it's got it's given me a lot to think about and i'm fully aware that like a lot of these tangents that i went on might sound kind of wild or just like even like kind of crazy but i like i kind of subscribe to the way that like scientists talk about theories or it's it's like i want to try to be precise and direct so that it, it starts off with uh i'm probably wrong but i want to be precise and direct about it so that other people can figure out where i'm wrong and then advance it more you know because it's like when you get into like very heady theories about like oh i'm using a process in the brain to create an illusion i could be wrong that that's what's happening maybe there's something simpler happening but this is just like the language that i've come across you know to repeatedly create this style of of thing right 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 and it's how you like conduct your experiments and i i like the i like the notion of an experiment um it's an experiment, isn't it? Like, as opposed to yeah. the final performance or, or, or the, you know, the show. It's a, it's a true experiment. It's the, the first time that people are seeing it for most of the time, which is something that I kind of wish that I was more open with in the process, but I just really wasn't aware then that that was like, different than like maybe how uh, general magic effects are created yeah well to wrap up this conversation i uh, just want to yeah if, 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 if you're listening to this for this long and you haven't seen halen stuff i'd be very surprised that you've listened this far uh, th then you definitely should check out the nothing experiment uh, on Instagram. Are, are you on any other social media platform? No, just that. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely look out for whatever it is this guy's putting out with the illusionist and the directions that he takes it. Um, I think that's all going to be very exciting. Um, all right, man. Thanks for the chat today. Let's, uh, Looking forward yeah, to appreciate it, catching man. up again soon. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you later.